Hello and welcome to Hunter Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host and I'm on a mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our stories, career tips and much more in hope to inspire women to join and remain in insurance. The insurance industry is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Anna, welcome to 100 Women in Insurance uh, podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Really delighted to be here to talk to you today. Um, Anna, for those who don't know you, um, there, there can't be many. Uh, you are a group social media manager at Aviva. I always start this podcast with a question, career choice or a chance in insurance. So tell us your story. Well, I don't think anybody really grows up thinking, I want to be uh, in insurance when I'm older. I really want to work in insurance. <laughs> and I started my career in a really quite a glam industry of media agencies. It was all about TVs, magazines, radio. And so it wasn't necessarily a natural move to go into insurance. but. I did relocate uh, from Manchester to Bristol. And so I was looking for graduate programs at the time. I really wanted to get onto a grad program to get a really kind of thorough grounding in business. And AXA offered a really great one at the time. And so I had a lot of opportunities to do loads of different roles within insurance just to see kind of what the different areas are. And so that's how I got into it. Um, Not necessarily really intentionally, but it was definitely a great move because everything that I've done since then has been really fascinating to work on and I've really enjoyed it. So um, it was by chance, but it was a a great chance with a a good outcome. Which is, which is incredible. And, and, And it's funny you say that like, I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning most people open that sec- their statement of that career choice with that. I don't think anyone wakes up. I've had one person so far <laughs> and I'm yet to find more that did uh, wake up okay. and kind of think about it. But you're right, most most don't. Um, and We clearly have to work in, on the reputation of the industry, don't we? That's it. Because once people are in, people are like, why didn't I? Um, I mean, what can you, in? and I, I like to say kind of in a, TikTok, um, thinking TikTok mode of day in life, but I don't want you to kind of get booked because a lot of people's days in life are very different. But if you were to explain in a sort of simplistic terms, what does a social media manager do? If someone was, you know, interested and they go, I love social media, I am an insurance or I didn't think you could be doing something like that in insurance. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, in a nutshell, I basically tell Aviva's story across our social channels. So that's LinkedIn. Instagram, X, and I want to help to shine that everything that great that goes on on the inside, I help the inside to shine out with hopefully thumb stopping content. Um, so really, that's amazing. And how did you, did you start straight away as a social media manager or was that a journey into that role? It was definitely a journey. Um, like I say, I've done lots of different roles within Aviva. My marketing background has always played a part in any role that I've done. So it's always been in communications in some form or another. Um, I have also done a social media role before in a different area of the business, but I've worked in in comms and advertising, in brand, in internal comms, so loads of different roles. Um, but all of them kind of have helped to build up my experience and my expertise to really make me um, 
good at what I do in this particular role. And also, I love it outside of work anyway. So because it's a personal passion, it's a very natural fit to what I do. So um, it's kind of where your personal passion and your professional passions come together into a role. Uh, it's a great thing. It certainly is. I mean, if you can do something that you enjoy in and out, then that's incredible. And so social media manager role is quite a role that's certainly in other industries. It's, it's a very popular and well understood and needed. I feel like in the insurance is still a learning curve. And, and, and as well, luring to your point about insurance, we need to do a bit better work and promoting that it can be interesting. What's, what's your favorite part about your role? Oh, my favorite part. Um, I think because it really plays to my skills, there are there are loads of things that I really enjoy doing as part of my role. So I think I myself, I, I would say I'm a creative storyteller. That's what I really enjoy doing. First of all, telling stories, but secondly, doing it in a creative way. I really love people. So building communities is a really integral part to the role building communities on different platforms um, and then being connected to people as well. So you really need to be able to sort of find those stories within your organization so, so you know which ones to shine a light on. Being able to do that and, and stay connected to people, um, it kind of rolls all of those things into one. And so I think they're, they're probably my top three things that I enjoy doing. And I think also because I have what I call a side hustle of running our um, origins network within Aviva. Um, so that represents people from all different backgrounds, whether that be kind of race, religion, socioeconomic background. Um, it means that I get to represent those people on our feeds as well. And so that for me is personally very fulfilling because I think it's really important for everybody within your organization to feel like they belong and feel like they see themselves in the content that you're producing. So I think those are the things, the elements of the role that I particularly enjoy. That's interesting tying back to your passion as well around um, diversity because I find increasingly people sort of you have your job but you also have a passion and you you seem to have a job that has a passion and then you add another passion how do you manage the workload your job is very demanding but you're also very active in diversity piece how do you manage both well all all of that kind of DEI work diversity equity and inclusion it's all voluntary so that's probably one of the biggest challenges. Like, how do you do that in addition to your day job? Because to be completely honest with you, it's emotionally exhausting, but it's equally exhilarating at the same time. Because when you when you hit the spot, when you achieve the results that you want to, when you're making people um, feel like they belong somewhere, it's, it's just so fulfilling to do. So um, it's one of those things. I think you have to be a certain type of person to want to to do that for a start. Um, I, I really enjoy being like an entrepreneur. So kind of making change from within an organization. Um, and that that's what kind of keeps me going. Because if you keep showing up, if you even if you're the only one who looks like you doing that kind of work, um, eventually you start to make inroads in this work that is not kind of overnight changes that you're making. It's very long-term work that takes years and year, years to do. And I've been working in DEI for about almost 20 years now. So that's a long time. Um, but 
it, it's change has happened. Like I've, I've co-chaired different, um, different communities that we have, um, balance and also origin. So I've worked in the gender space, um, uh, where lots of conversations happen already. But what I did notice is that people find it really easy to talk about gender, whereas it com- becomes a lot trickier when you're talking about race and people don't even know, can I say black? Can I say brown? What's okay to say? What's offensive to say? And so it's a really tricky area. And I think the more you have these kind of conversations and normalize them so that people feel comfortable talking about them, the more progress that you can make. So I think doing that work alongside a main job is it's only something that you could do if you're really passionate about it. But then if you can also integrate it into your day job, that also helps because actually it should be part of the DNA of everything that we do anyway, rather than an extra tick box that you do at the end. Um, It needs to be part of your role so that it's something that you're not even having to actively think about. It's something that you just do because that's the way we do things. It's it's so interesting what you say because I've, I've been having a lot of conversations with people where companies kind of have that area where there's a group of people that talk about it and it feels like, okay, well, we've done, we've done now the DNI for us, right? That That's done. And, and it's not the case because, uh, you know, there's conversation around how do you build into KPIs? How do you build into objectives? How do you build into strategy? So it's, it becomes your culture rather than just a bit on the side, isn't it? So that's a, that's a very smart way of saying it, that actually, if you are getting involved in those networks, and I think we all should in one way or another, um, you know, build that part, make that part of your job and your culture and, and integrate it together and not just a separate conversation. Um, yeah. And and having having ERGs, employee resource groups, they're integral to that because actually everybody belongs to some, like everybody's got an identity. Everybody belongs to one of these groups in one way or another. And at Aviva, we've got six of them. Um, one that covers different abilities, uh, balance that I mentioned before for different genders, carers, generations, which is all about different age groups and everybody has an age at the end of the day and then origins and pride. And so everybody should have something that resonates with them in some way or another. It's about um, everybody just feeling like they can get involved and, and help the cause, whether it's as an ally or somebody who's directly affected. Um, there's something for everybody. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's very, and when we caught up initially sort of talking about um, you joining the podcast, uh, you've mentioned about during the grad program, I think, but this comes up in many conversations, um, there was a, you've learned about pie. And um, what I really liked is you said, you know, performance is given, like you, you have to do your job, but it's actually more around that exposure and the I and E. I think social media plays part in that exposure piece. I think a lot of people use LinkedIn now and that is a really great way to tell your story. So if you're looking to achieve more impact and exposure, um, specifically that you mentioned, uh, I think you need to be able to claim authorship of your story so that people know about it. Because I think a lot of the time people think if I'm getting on and doing that work uh, and I'm making a difference, brilliant. But hang on a minute, who else knows about that? Because if other people don't know, then how do you spread that message? How are they going to learn from what goes on behind closed doors? So I think social media plays a really integral role. Um, LinkedIn is kind of the obvious one to to talk about 
um, what you get up to at work and and the kind of um, impact that you're having. But there's TikTok, there's Instagram. Um, I won't talk about X, uh, but there, there are so many platforms where you can creatively express yourself and show a, almost like a sneak peek into what it's like living, doing these things. And not everybody gets involved in in these um, employee resource groups, for example, but you can show what kind of thing happens behind the scene, scenes. What You can show what you get up to and, and when you get asked to, to speak or to share something. When you show little glimpses of what goes on, um, I think it, it's it's really great for people to see actually how much work goes into it. It's not just the glamour of turning up on stage and giving a talk and everyone clapping. There's so much that goes into it um, behind the scenes that I think is really important to show both sides of it really authentically. I think I think it's so true because I, I often speak to people about um, companies are missing a trick of um, encouraging the employees to actually be active on social media. And that helps the employees to build their brand also helps to kind of um, confirm the culture within the business and confirm what what's on the brochures and what's on the website and actually show it in real life. And and the pushback I tend to get is, well, we are a regulated industry, so we can't be on social media. Um, and, you know, I always think, well, we have brochures and, you know, we were in magazines and we in newspapers. So what's your view on that? So I'd say, well, first of all, my role in particular is not selling our products on social media. So I'm, I'm not subject to uh, the product reg- regulations of financial promotion. So so that that's one thing. But with that caveat in mind, there's still so much to showcase on social media, uh, whether it's an insurance company or not. But even at an insurance company, if I think about the kind of stuff that I'm posting about, um, I've posted just this year alone about Aviva Studios opening um, in Manchester, a huge venue uh, with so much going on. I filmed behind the scenes there to give people a sneak peek. Um, Just uh, a week ago, I was on stage at a theatre sharing my mentoring journey. Um, So I did some behind the scenes of that. Um, I've filmed our directors spray painting a car at one of Aviva's body shops. Um, I've consulted on TV advertising for our TV ads to make sure they're inclusive of our customers. Um, and we've shared that on social. And then there's the bread of butter, bread and butter of sharing Aviva's results and how we're performing. So if you think about it, that's a massive range of content. Yes, I think it's so true because it is about storytelling. And I've listened recently to the um uh, a podcast uh, where a head of social media for a Diary of CEO, she talks about um, sort of how you use social media. And she she gives an example of Red Bull, where Red Bull, not a single post actually has Red Bull product in it, but it's all about emotions and feelings about the brand. And, and talking about, you know, insurance being boring, not career choice, you know, because it does have that, who, you know, that is the word out there actually for showing up on social media the way you talk about it is you're changing that perspective and the reach is wider audience so there is someone there at university or or in school sitting and thinking oh, actually let me look for that um company because look they look really cool like the the leaders are painting cars like I want to be a CEO one day and you know and be doing that so it, it has we we it feels like we're missing a trick there isn't it yeah, and we do a lot actually to uh, try and inspire the next generation 
Um, so whether that be working in schools, um, we've got, like I say, the graduate leadership program, the GLP, we have apprenticeships, we have internships. Um, so there are so many ways just to get a taster and actually experience what it's like. Um, and in the meantime, you know, go and build up your own experience on your own social channels so that you can get to know what works well, um, what engages people and and build up your own kind of portfolio of, of comms that you're working on. And I think if you've got a passion for social media as well, um, you'll naturally be keeping on top of the trends and you'll you'll know what what is working better and, and what changes are happening on each platforms because as we know things can change very rapidly as we've seen this year um you know threads has launched and the, there's so much evolving all the time that um it's important to invest some of that time in just keeping on top of what that looks like and and what new uh, tools that you might have to use in your instagram stories or what's working well on threads because that's obviously changing a lot at the moment um so yeah, I think it's that there's lots of opportunity before you get into the industry just to have a taster um, and follow the companies that you think actually they look a bit interesting. Check out Aviva UK on TikTok. The kind of stuff we're putting on there at the moment is is great. It's really interesting and digestible because um, you know obviously different platforms have got uh, different styles and what you know the longer form content might suit LinkedIn better. The shorter form stuff on Instagram. Um, there's slightly more entertaining things on uh, TikTok. So um, have a look at the different channels and, and see how insurance companies are putting themselves across and what kind of content is on there. And you'll see it's not what you might expect. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. We'll definitely add links to all these in the show notes so people can can go and have a look, have a look at them. I mean, if someone is sitting here and feeling inspired and they're passionate about um, social media, but maybe the company they work for is not active or... Um, you know, is not doing that much on there and they think, oh, I would love to showcase what we're doing. I think we have a great story to tell. Where where do you think they get started? Like, how do they start that conversation? How do they start doing it? Like, th there are so many stories within the people that you work with. I think it's a really good place to start. If you're a bit tentative about what should I post, uh, what what's going to engage people, um, people like to know more about people. So I, I think that'd be a really good place to start obviously you have to manage the risk within that so you always need to have permission to use people's images agree copy with any partners you're working with for example um i said I, I used to work in brand you need to make sure all of your images that you're using are on brand they're approved um so i think there are there are things that you need to just make sure from a risk perspective you're okay but uh, it's really great a great place to start if you just look at the people that you work with and on what they do. So do some of that shining the the inside out. I, I love the using the word risk. I feel like that will catch everyone's eyes, ears in the insurance. I'd be like, risk? Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's yeah, the way I yeah, analyze exactly. my social media. I love that. I've recently done a poll on LinkedIn around kind of what stops you from posting and being active on social media. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of it. I think you know, I got to network with the most, well, I got to meet you. I got to meet so many incredible people because of LinkedIn. And and one thing that comes up, uh, it did on a poll, but also in conversations is what will others think of me? Um, and I don't want to show my dog on social media. Um, and it's and it's like, these are the two sentences that keep on coming up. <laughs> what, what's your thoughts around that? 
you know what? If I look at my own socials and uh, personally what I posted, the ones that seem to have struck a chord most with people are the ones where I'm sharing something personal about myself. So I, I really think that you need to be comfortable with claiming that authorship of your own story because if you don't, other people will create their own narrative about you. And that, especially if you come from a, an underrepresented background, that will always be peppered with different assumptions and stereotypes and presumptions that people have about you. Not necessarily consciously, but a lot of people will make their opinion of you not necessarily based on fact, but what they think they know. So actually, rather than um, kind of having that conjecture out there of, you know, oh, that person must be like this or they they do this. How about you just own that yourself? Um, and I'd say one particular post, actually, and, and this springs to mind because somebody commented on it last night. I posted about two years ago on International Day of the Girl. Um, and I still get comments on it now. And wow. that post, um, it's one of my pinned posts on LinkedIn, if you want to have a look at it. But it's all about... Um, people introducing themselves as what they were like as a, a young girl, like what their aspirations were, what their ambitions were, and actually how that's transpired throughout their life and how it's all evolved. Um, and it's really interesting uh, to see what, it's, it's a big campaign and people are talking about what they would say to their younger self. And like I say, it was two years ago that I posted it. And just last night, I was still getting comments on that post. So it goes to show that People want to know your story. And obviously, there's no pressure that you have to post your personal um, personal stories online. If you don't want to, there's no pressure whatsoever. But actually, it just helps people to connect with you on a different level if you do do that. And then what you find is that in these kind of campaigns and you follow the hashtags and you can discover more people, but by following more different types of people, then the algorithm starts to change your whole feed and actually LinkedIn will start suggesting more different people for you to follow. And so you stop seeing an echo chamber in your feed, the same people, the same messages, and you can actually disrupt your own feed. So I personally would highly recommend just going for it, biting the bullet. And even if it's through doing something that's like a really broad campaign, like the, the one that I just mentioned, it's an easy way to get involved when lots of people are talking about it. Um, so I'd, I'd dip my toe in the water. Anyone who's apprehensive, dip your toe in the water, follow a hashtag, see what other people are saying and so you can get the flavor and then just see what you're comfortable with yourself. It's a very personal thing. So, um, But I, I would recommend it, having done it myself and seen that actually it's a really great way um, to get to know other people better and for them to get to know you in a, in a mutual way. I think that's so, and, and you've made a really interesting point around people forming opinion about you. And, and that's the fear. What will people think about me? But the, the power of social media is that you get to control the message. Um, and I think there is, there is a, there's a thing when it comes to personal brand, the different, one of the definitions out there is, um, you know, personal brand is what people say about you when you're not in a room, right? So social media helps you to shape what people say. And, and I can see it. Like if I, I've been on a journey of two years of kind of discovering what is it that I'm actually doing. And it's been, you know, like I've been, and I've been using LinkedIn to test it. Um, and depending who I speak to, depending where they stopped on like really following and reading what I'm doing, they'll introduce me differently. 
and and I can see that shift. Second, I'm changing my campaign on my LinkedIn. People start introducing me differently again. So I can see I'm actually controlling the narrative of um, how I get introduced, what I am known for. So you can do the same. And it it doesn't necessarily mean if you, you can only do it if you have your own business. You can certainly do it as an employee because that's how you get to network and that's how you get to meet people and learn and develop. And it's not always about looking for a new job as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, totally. I mean, the funny thing is, I've been to a number of events where total strangers have recognised me off LinkedIn, which is a really bizarre feeling. Um, and that's kind of external to even Aviva. And then I've gone to Aviva events where I've met people. And I remember um, I went to one event where um, our, who was the lady who was our group risk director at the time, um, I met her for the first time and she was like, I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. I, I've seen you all over this, that and the other. And it just makes you think I had my assumptions about her that she'll have no idea who I am. You know, I've not worked in risk before. Why would she ever have seen me anywhere? But she already knew me beforehand. And so actually that that authorship that you have, that control of the the narrative just really helps people to learn a bit more about you before you've even met them face to face, you know, especially during the pandemic when people weren't even meeting face to face, then all of a sudden events start happening again. And, you know, you're meeting people in real life, you're, you're seeing them in person. And it's really great to have a bit of background about each other before you meet, uh, rather than it being a completely cold connection. So, I definitely think, you know, what you found where you, you're actually hearing people echoing back what you've said on your socials, it goes to show it really does make an impact. Oh, it, it definitely does. And I, I always say, whether you like it or not, people Google you before they meet you, right? They, <laughs> they, they will. They will. Like whether it, and actually, if, you're, if you have absolutely no presence on, so, on social media, Depending where you are, maybe in your career and what you're trying to choose might be acceptable, but it does raise, whether, again, whether you like it or not, does raise eyebrows, right? And then if your um, LinkedIn profile is very out of date and then people meet you, again, whether you like it or not, people form a, a judgment. Um, so I always say kind of think of LinkedIn not as your CV, but think of LinkedIn as your online business card. So at bare minimum, uh, you know, have something there about you that you want people to know about you when they look you up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I see it almost like a, a kind of dynamic CV. It's, it's something that is showing your personality. It's showing what, um, what kind of work you get involved in, but adds that little bit more color to it. And so, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that, um, more CV, less diary. You know, some people, you know, when you're thinking about what to post, if you're thinking, oh, I, I've got a pressure, I have to post something every day. I, I don't think that's the way to go about it because there's a, it's important to know the difference between having something to say and having to say something. I think you need to be thinking more around, okay, is there something here that I need to be sharing because it's a really important message to share? There's something that I've learned loads or am I just posting because I feel the pressure? I need to keep consistently posting. So I think both from a personal perspective and a business perspective, um, you need to just know that difference to make sure that you're saying something because you've actually got something to say. 
I love that. So I, I always love these kind of very simple sentences that actually make such a big difference. <laughs> such a big difference. But what are the absolute no-nos on social media for you? I'd say, uh, I mean, I, I guess that's the first one about um, knowing the dif difference between having something to say and, and having to say something. But I think that you need to be really mindful that you're being authentic to your business. So you need to make sure you're reflecting the reality of your business rather than a shop window that is nothing like what's actually inside the shop. So I think that that's the first thing. Um, I think it's really important to know your audience as well, because we're not all Duolingo, you, you're, but at the same time, you're still talking to humans. So yes, we work in insurance, but that doesn't mean everybody wants to hear corporate jargon. They're still humans. They still want to be spoken to as such. So I think it's really important to, to know your audience really well on, on what they want. Um, and also, you need to recognize the nuances of the different channels. So what do people want to consume on each channel? Um, where should we, we do the shorter form content? Where should we delve into a bit more depth? So I think you can make the mistake of, of creating content, social content that then goes across all socials. But actually what works on LinkedIn is not necessarily going to work just as well on threads, for example. So I think be very mindful of the nuances of each platform and don't just churn out just so for the sake of it, just so that you've got content always on there. Make sure you've got something to say in a way that people want to hear from you. So, so true and so important because I often get people hearing, oh, I know I need to be on social media. I need to be posting on LinkedIn. I'm like, but why? <laughs> Do you know why? Because it takes time, right? So, um, I mean, the good news about LinkedIn is even if you if you've never posted and you post like twice, three times a month, it's going to push and go through, you know, to to a lot of people. But know your why because it does take time and 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 understand who you're speaking to and why. Which is which, what what has been so far your favorite initiative that you've been involved in on social linking to social media or or to your job. My favourite. There's been so much that I've done that I really, <laughs> really enjoyed. And and that's one of the things, actually. The fact that this question is quite difficult to answer shows that shows me, tells me that I'm doing the right thing because I actually am doing a lot that I enjoy. And I think it's really important to enjoy what you do because if you don't, what's the point? You know, we spend so much time on work at work that you need to be enjoying what you're doing. Um, but probably my favourite one that I've done is when I spoke at the UK's biggest destination festival um, called MadFest. Um, and that's marketing, advertising and disruptive tech. tech. And the reason why I, I'd say that one is because I looked at that event and I thought, you know, for a few years, I thought that festival looks brilliant. I, I really want to go one year. And this year I had time to go to it, uh, the diaries worked out and everything. But I looked at the agenda and I saw a big inclusion-sized gap. And I thought, I really want to go there, but I feel like there's something missing from it. And so I thought, okay, rather than me thinking, writing it off and just thinking, oh, I won't go then. Um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. I felt compelled to do something about it. And so I came up with a concept. I thought about who I would want speaking on a panel about this, designed a presentation, and I pitched it to them. And I thought, you know, I don't know how they're going to take that, how it will be received. But they grabbed it with both hands and they were like, yes, come and do it. We'd love that. 
And so I designed a session called Spilling the Diversity um, and all about 10 tips to avoid inclusion confusion in your organization. So really simple, really actionable takeaways that people could listen to, learn from, take back to their business. Um, and it was it was such a fulfilling thing to do because it was it was something that didn't exist, created from scratch. I saw it on social originally. That that's where I saw um, the festival, and ever since I've been seeing all this great content. And I thought I want to be part of that because actually this is this is my industry, and we need to be talking about DEI more there. Whether that be on your socials, within your brand, in your adverts, there's so much within the whole marketing ecosystem where this needs to be embedded and it was a brilliant opportunity to to get involved where you know go to the people where they are um and so it, it was brilliant to also then see the feedback on social the best thing about social is you can get that instant feedback you know you're straight on the hashtag and you can see what people are saying about your session what they took from it um, and and I absolutely love that to be able to get that live feedback and interaction with people in person as well. Um, so it was a brilliant event and uh, one that I I felt very fortunate to be able to be part of. It's so I mean amazing, and I can't. First of all, well done for being part of it, but also actually you. pitching yourself. It's it's. So often we talk about, oh, I, I don't have this opportunity. Or I wish I was doing that. You make it happen. You, you, it's, you've made it happen. Um, in, incredible. I'll tell you what, Absolutely. Sandra. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Sandra. It's really easy to moan about the things that aren't right, everything that's wrong with the world. And I think that unless you step up to, to take action, you, you, there's no point in complaining. It doesn't achieve anything. So, you know, there is always a clear business case around diversity. But, you know, I really want people to feel like they belong to to get that personal side of it, the human side of it. And diversity is, especially recently, it's a buzzword. Everyone loves to talk about DEI, EDI. We all want it, but actually it's inclusion that's going to get us there. So we need to take active steps to be able to make people feel included, make people feel like they belong, give them the psycho psychological safety to be able to feel like they can express themselves authentically. So, um, you know, the question is, what would happen if we didn't do this work? If we weren't stepping up to do that extra stuff, what would happen? You'd have a world full of stereotypes and tokenism where you're thinking we need a black person in this advert, a disabled one in this one. You know, it's, it's not the right way to go about things. So I think we need to be having these conversations, pitching ourselves. If we've got something to say, go and say it. You have to be a bit brave to do it. But really, I, I have to I have to say it pays off when you get people coming up to you after an event saying that was the best talk I've seen at Madfest in three years, you know having having people react in that way it just makes you feel you know what I did the right thing it, it was hard yeah. it was it was brave it was it you know you feel vulnerable and exposed but one, when you do it if you can pull it off it's it's a great thing to do I, I completely there's a there's a book called Just Ask which is an old book right and basically what the book is it tells you I think he goes for like 30 examples of where he just asked and then he got it. And uh, <laughs> and sometimes he had to just ask about five times, but he did, He still got it at the end. And 
it's exactly that. It's like, if you see a gap, take an action. And I mean, what would have been worse that would have happened if they turn around to you and said, Mike, she, do you know what, fool, not happening. It wouldn't have happened. The conversation wouldn't have happened. Everyone would have been worse off uh, that they didn't hear you speak, but the world wouldn't end, right? Um, but then you turn up and you spoke and you impacted people and you got to achieve your goal as well. And and people took uh, so much from it by simply, though it's not that simple, you asking whether you can do it. Obviously, you've done your research, you put a business case together. But I completely agree. I think this is such a powerful message to leave our audience on, on, you know, take the action, whether you want to action social media, whether you want to change that role or whether you want to bring the inclusion impact do something about it and pitch yourself forward to work, towards making that change. And, and roll it all together. You know, what we talked about earlier about inter- integrating it into what you do, um, whether you work in social media or any other roles within insurance, build it into what you do. And there are lots of communities on social that you can find. So this T-shirt that I'm wearing today is not just pink because of your Barbie insur- in insurance <laughs> theme. It's also, I don't know if you can see it, but... Um, it's all about, you, make you know, everybody, everybody go viral. Everybody wants things to go viral. And this T-shirt actually was given to me by the comms hero community, um, which is run by a guy called Asif Chowdhury. Can you see it properly there? Um, so for those who can't see go. it, it says, can you make this go viral, comms hero? And then it just has loads of likes, different forms of likes. Love it. <laughs> And, and you know, it, everybody, everybody wants things to go viral, but actually you're not posting for that reason. You're not posting for, for the likes. You need to be posting for that message that you want to get across. And so Comms Hero is a brilliant community. If you just search the hashtag Comms Hero, you'll see that there's a huge community of people who are trying to do this work of making your comms more inclusive. Um, especially in social, we, we've got a really good opportunity to be able to make sure that feed reflects what you want to see, what you want to represent, the customers that you want to be reaching out to. You just need to make all of those things need to line up together so that you're really authentically telling that story. So powerful. So powerful. And I'm, I am, I, I love the t-shirt. I want the t-shirt. Well, not jumper. I want the <laughs> jumper. This is brilliant. It's, it's amazing. And definitely a great community to check out because, yeah, it, the inclusion should be engraved in everything we do and social media plays a huge part um someone said to me a long time ago you know look at your social media feed is it diverse and are you actually challenging yourself or are you seeing the same thing over and over um and it's very empowering to actually change your social media feed mindfully you are in charge of your social media feed and I've done that exercise a long time ago when I purposely went out to look for um people and and thinking to what I'm normally used to seeing on my feed. And it's been brilliant. I've learned so much. And and yeah, so it is, and it is for us again to take that action. Um, so, so much knowledge. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all this. I always close the podcast and, and you've given one example. I hope we can come up with something else. Thanks to being in insurance industry, what have you been able to experience um, that you would, you would like others to uh, to know that you can do an insurance? The world is literally your oyster. Our industry has a bad rap. We all know it. But 
not only are we protecting what matters most to people, you know, that's in essence, that's what insurance is all about. But you wouldn't believe the number of people that I have met through this industry, unexpected people. Like, would you think, and, and there will be a name drop or two here because I'm making a point, would you think that you can work in, in insurance and meet Vivian Westwood, Paloma Faith, Michael McIntyre, Kelly Holmes, Kelly, uh, who else? Na Natasha Kaplinsky, uh, Lenny Henry, Sunita, Shola Ammer, Emily Sande. I, I could literally go on. That There are so many people... Jay Shetty, I've worked with Jay Shetty, Naughty Boy, uh, June Sarpom, Dr. Ange, Alison Hammond, Mark Ramprakash, the cricketer, you know, such a, an eclectic list of people that I've met through this industry. And I would never have started nearly 20 years ago thinking, I'm going to meet all these people through my job. Like you wouldn't expect to do that. So I think don't make uh, kind of don't have those preconceptions of what you're going to do in insurance because actually you could surprise yourself. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> and name dropping always like a good name drop. I mean, this is an impressive list. <laughs> I mean, there are even more, but th those are the ones that immediately spring to mind. But, yeah. uh, you know, those are the, the more of the A-listers, but the people that you meet actually that work within the industry as well are just as much, if not even more impressive with the work that they do. So, you know, the network is fantastic. There are lots of insurance networks that you can get involved in to meet the people that are doing this game-changing work. And so just keep that those communities going, meet people, use LinkedIn to connect with people, even use Instagram, the amount of people that I've met even through there now as well. So be mindful of all the all the networks that are there ready to be tapped into. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all this great knowledge and sharing your story as well. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on a podcast. You're very welcome. Really nice to talk to you, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Help us spread the word by following us on LinkedIn and TikTok at 100 Women in Insurance. Rate our podcast and share it on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to us. If you have any recommendations or comments, please get in touch through our social media. We'll love to hear from you. See you in our next episode. <laughs>